Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Stacking the Box. I am Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill, and we are going into week 16 in the NFL season, the holiday week. Uh, as we approach Christmas, we're already into Hanukkah, uh, and, uh, you know, we're all about all about touching on all bases here. So, <laughs> Josh, I'll ask you, we're through 15 weeks with, of course, the Monday night game still to come between your Bucks and the Falcons. Yeah. What has caught your eye? What do you think going forward is stuff that that really is going to be uh, continuously talked about as we go into the final two weeks of the year? Uh, Well, everybody's talking about what's a catch, what's not a catch. But what we're not talking about is what happened after, which is... So you've got two questionable official calls on Sunday. You've got the the big one everybody's talking about with Jesse James in Pittsburgh, and then the index card controversy with um, the Cowboys and the Raiders. What happened after both of those is what we need to be talking about. So you've got Ben Roethlisberger. He plays hero ball. He loses them the game. They lose home field advantage for all intents and purposes. They lose home field advantage in the playoffs. They're going to have to go to Foxborough in the AFC Championship game if that's the way things shake out. That wasn't because they didn't call the Jesse James touchdown. That was what came after. And the same thing happened in Oakland. After the index thing, index card thing, Derek Carr, he goes down. He fumbles the ball out of bounds, which say what you will about that rule. It's a rule. And they lose the game. And then that pretty much sinks their playoff chances. Everybody's like, oh, wow, I can't believe the, the, the Raiders had their season ended by an index card. They didn't. They had their season ended by Derek Carr fumbling the ball out of bounds with under 40 seconds left to go in the game. And the same thing with the Steelers. It was a bad call, and we can talk until we're blue in the face about what's a catch, what's not a catch, the rule's right, the rule's wrong, what's the letter of the law. Ben Roethlisberger threw that interception. The refs didn't throw that interception. So hero ball moving forward, I think it's stupid, but I think we're going to see a lot more of it, especially if we get teams like the Bills, the Jaguars, the Titans in the playoffs, and you have these quarterbacks that need to make plays are they going to make the right call? And we've seen Hall of Famers, and we've seen somebody like Derek Carr make the same decision. So that's something. That's what I'm going to be looking forward to. Yeah, I'm not. Listen, I'm not going to go crazy about the calls in these games. First of all, I think the rules in terms of what is a catch and what is not, I think most people agree they're, they're asinine. But the officials made the right call by the rules. He Jesse James went to the ground and did not maintain possession of the ball. The ball at the ground. It is an incomplete pass. 
And the Steelers had a chip shot field goal to tie that game. They had, a, they had two more shots to score a touchdown. And they botched it. Roethlisberger is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He knows not to throw the ball late over the middle of the field. And he sure as hell throw, knows not to throw it in a triple coverage to Eli Rogers. Okay? That's on him. And, and you know what? They wouldn't even have been in that position if their defense didn't let this, the pass go down the field like a knife through, through butter at the end of the game where Gronkowski was basically uncovered for 60 straight yards. So the Steelers ended up losing the game. It's controversial, sure, but they deserve to lose. Uh, and, and the Raiders, like that game to me is inconsequential anyway. Neither one of those teams is going to make the playoffs. I know Dallas is alive. They need a lot to happen. Uh, you know, so the Raiders were dead on arrival to begin with. And Derek Carr, like trying to make a play, all fine and well. But again, they're in chip shot range for a field goal, tying the game. And they missed a field goal earlier in the game from 37 yards. They had a 100-yard kick return by Cordero Patterson called back and a stupid holding yeah. penalty that was a hold. So the Raiders have no excuse. The Raiders had every opportunity to win that game. They were at home. Dallas was all kinds of banged up. They didn't have Zeke. They still couldn't do it. So my thing going forward uh, is really now, and it has been for a few weeks, but the playoff picture. We, we're mm-hmm. really starting to get an idea now. With Green Bay losing, they're all but eliminated. They could be eliminated tonight officially if the Falcons win. The AFC, we pretty much know the top four seeds. We'll get into that here in a minute. Uh, and then the wild card race is frantic. But for my money, that's what the last couple of weeks of the NFL season is always about. Who's going to get in? And, and really, too, forget the overall records right now. Who is hot? Who's playing really good football right now at the right time? Who's getting healthy? Those are the teams that are always the most dangerous in January and sometimes February. Yeah, and look, we've been saying it for how many weeks here that the bottom of the AFC playoff picture is a mess. But what I'm looking forward to in, you know, everybody's going to be saying the same cliche, it's a two-game season left, you know, because you got the two games left. It's starting to take shape. And that sixth... Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before... You need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Seed in the AFC is, I don't, know what, I don't know what to think about. I don't even know what to think of the fifth seed, which, you know, right now, you know, according to NFL.com, looking at the bracket, and this is changes depending on who you look at, you got the Bills and the Titans are the last two teams in, and that's obviously going to change because you got depending on what ESPN playoff machine scenario you put in, you can get any combination of the Bills, the Titans, the, the, the Chargers, the Ravens. The Raiders are still technically alive, but I, don't, I wouldn't hold out a lot of hope for that. But yeah, the cream it's, was always going to rise to the top. And everybody is going to pick apart the Jesse James play yesterday in Pittsburgh. Truthfully... The two things to take away from that moving forward as far as the playoff picture is concerned is, one, Ben Roethlisberger throwing his coaches under the bus after the game. Not a great look. Todd Haley might have been screaming from the sideline, but he certainly wasn't you know, throwing that interception out there. And also, even if Todd Haley was screaming from the sideline to go for it, 
You are a Hall of Fame quarterback. You look, triple coverage, Eli Rogers, throw it out of bounds, or at least throw it low. Why throw it high? I, don't, I will never understand why, why quarterbacks throw it high when they're, when they're that close to the goal line. But, and then the other thing to take away from that, too, is the Antonio Brown injury, which we didn't even touch on. But the way that the Steelers played after Brown went out, they were beating the Patriots without Antonio Brown. And I think that the chess match of that game, what we're going to see in the AFC Championship game, I don't think anybody showed their hand. I think the cards are still being held close to the chest with Belichick and Tomlin. But the way that the Steelers played the, the, the Patriots, I would, if I was a Steelers fan, I'd have confidence that maybe something can get figured out. And maybe this Rex Burkhead thing is going to be a thing for New England. But look, we can talk until the end of, the, the end of times about the playoff picture in the AFC. And I, I love it because it's, it's fascinating. And we're going to have probably the most interesting playoff picture we've ever seen because I, I, can, I don't remember the exact number. But over like 60% of the teams that made the playoffs last year, out. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. It's, it's going to be fun here down the stretch. I think, look, realistically, in the AFC, you have three tiers. You have New England and Pittsburgh on one. They're mm-hmm. the favorites. You have Jacksonville and Kansas City on the second. Those are the teams that, if they play their best, are capable of upsetting one of those two top teams. And then after that, you have the wildcard teams, which, frankly, I think uh, I, I can't picture any of those wildcard teams winning a game. I just no. can't. I Look, I, you know what? I, Baltimore, you respect them. They've been there. They, they, they have players with, with past success, but – you're going to tell me that that team is going to go into one of those two buildings and win? I don't see it. I mean, Jacksonville beat them 44 to 7 earlier this year. <sighs> and Kansas City would be an overwhelming favorite to beat Baltimore. Tennessee, yeah. I, don't, I don't think Tennessee's even going to make the plus. Right now, right now, Tennessee is the fifth seed, Buffalo is the sixth. I don't even think Tennessee's going to win another game. Mm-mm. We'll get to that down the, down the road here in this podcast, but I don't think the Titans have another win in them. They are in free fall. Uh, Buffalo at New England at Miami, they could split those games. Maybe they get in, but the Bills, do you really think they're going to win a playoff game? And then the Chargers, if they could get in, are probably still the most dangerous of all of them because of the quarterback, uh, because of those pass rushers. Uh, they would be the one wildcard team that I'd give a shot to win a game and, and make a little noise. But I, you know what? They didn't uh, impress on Saturday night. So for me, the AFC is, is very cut and dry in terms of tiers. And the NFC... I don't think there's a tier at all. I think it's basically whoever gets in, all six of those teams have almost an equal shot with mm-hmm. you know home field playing a role. But those teams are also good. The Packers are not going to get in, which makes everybody breathe a little easier in the NFC. Seattle, which has been a, a stalwart. They've been in there every year of Russell Wilson's career. Now they, barring a miracle, are not getting in. Dallas is not getting in. Most people thought those are the three best teams in the, in the conference going yeah. into the season, along with Atlanta, who's also on the bubble, but they are the six at the moment. So... The playoff picture is nuts. I love it. I think the playoffs this year are going to be great. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know everybody's complaining about all the injuries in, during no. the season, and, and fair enough. But you know, some years you have teams that are so good, you say, okay, well, those teams are going to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I don't see that this year. Even as good as New England and Pittsburgh are comparatively in the AFC, right now, would I be shocked if Jacksonville beat one of those teams? No, I wouldn't be. Would I be shocked if Kansas City beat one of those teams? No, I wouldn't be. I, I think. Those two teams are the best teams, but they're not they're not great teams. They're they're good teams, and I think there are some other teams in the AFC that if they get hot could could be very interesting. I have found myself going back to and this is probably connecting dots that aren't there, but a January, a cold January afternoon in nineteen ninety seven, when the under 
Dog Jacksonville Jaguars went up to Denver and they beat the Denver Broncos led by John Elway in the AFC divisional round and went to the championship game. They ultimately lost. But that kind of reminds me of what we're looking at with Jacksonville in the playoffs this year, where nobody really takes them seriously because of Blake Bortles, and we can get to that in a bit. But the defense, if there's a team, everybody's saying that New England and Pittsburgh and New England and Kansas City, that's the team you have to watch out for because Kansas City beat um, New England earlier this year. And I'll just say it's hard to beat a team twice in a season, especially a good team, which is why everybody's saying Jacksonville going to Pittsburgh is all of a sudden, for some reason, Pittsburgh's going to definitely struggle. I don't think so because they've already seen them. But the way that the Jaguars' defense play in that pass rush against what we've seen from the Patriots' offensive line this year, I don't know, man. I know it's in Foxborough, and I'm not saying that the Jaguars are going to win, but like you're saying, that unlike any other year, you know, you, you're not looking at the uh, Patriots hosting a playoff game and thinking, yeah, I think they're going to struggle, especially against the Jaguars, although the Jaguars have a top-10 defense, so I don't want to make it sound like I'm poo-pooing them. But I'm just, I agree with you. And in the NFC, it is one big tier. And I think, you know, and we, we talk a lot of smack about the, uh, the, the Carolina Panthers. They got two big statement wins in a row. They do. The defense looks really good. Cam Newton, I think, is an anchor. He's not gonna. He's you're gonna live and you're gonna die by the version of Cam Newton that shows up. Are you gonna get the one that's openly mocking Clay Matthews about trying to call out plays and then scoring a touchdown on him, or are you gonna get the one that walks away from the post game press conference three seconds in because he had a bad game? So, and it's the same thing with Philip Rivers. It's the, you know this is a problem with quarterbacks all over. And then you've got Nick Foles in, in Philly who throws four touchdowns. All of a sudden, people in Philadelphia think that he's a Carson Wentz replacement, which isn't the case. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited for the playoffs. I can't wait for it. I mean, the Bucks are out, but that's something that I'm used to at this point. From a completely objective point of view, this is going to be so much fun. And I just, I, I can't wait. And I don't think there's a bad, there's not a bad matchup in any of the first weekend games. Even if you get the Bills and the Jaguars, that's still fascinating to me. Well, it's just, I think the, these teams are new, right? Yeah. Like, like the Vikings are, are a new team on the block. I know they were in the playoffs a few years ago, but that was a little bit of a different team. You know, the Rams are completely new. The Saints, you know, you look at Drew Brees and say, well, they're the same. No, they're, they're a totally different team. The Eagles are different. Jacksonville is different. Buffalo might make the playoffs for the first time in almost 20 years. So I think there's a lot of excitement. I mean, really, the only teams that are in the playoffs that you really thought it would be an upset if they weren't in going into the year. New England, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, and then you know, after, probably Atlanta. You yeah, know, and, and that's it. I mean, the, the rest of these teams, you could all make an argument they weren't going to make the playoffs, or you, you were you're shocked that they're in. So, I look in the AFC. I think the divisional round matchups, if everything holds to form, it's going to be Kansas City at New England, Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. Both the teams on the road pulled off a big upset the first time, and they won in convincing fashion. Both teams. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting to see if it can happen again. I I don't know that it can, but I, again. You know, Jacksonville is a rough matchup for Pittsburgh because they can totally shut them down throwing yep. the football. That is a major problem for Pittsburgh. And on the flip side, New England never plays Kansas City well. Every time the Chiefs play them, they, the last three times they've played them, the Chiefs have blown them out twice. And the other game they played was in the playoffs a few years ago. And the Chiefs went up to New England without half of their roster and lost by a touchdown. So, look, it's... Sometimes football is about matchups. You know, you always hear the expression that, that fights are made with styles. Those, the Steelers in the past are going to have to play very well if those games come to fruition because Kansas City and Jacksonville in those respective matchups, they just match up well. And, they're going to be, and the other thing, too, is they're going to be confident. 
They're not going to be intimidated going into those games. Jacksonville mm-hmm. beat Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh earlier this year. Kansas City has rolled New England a couple times over the last three seasons. So I, I would I would factor those things in. But hey, listen, uh, we'll we'll move on. We'll, we'll get to you know other stuff in the games here. But I think I think the, the playoffs this year are going to be wildly unpredictable, and that always makes for a good time. Well, that leads us to our uh, little segment we like to call "What's the Story?" And the first story that we're going to try to figure out is a team that's not in the playoffs and was never really in the playoffs, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. So Chuck Pagano, he's probably most definitely going to be fired. Mm-hmm. And usually we would say that that's a top job, that you got Andrew Luck, you've got a lot going on there. But I find myself in thinking about these job openings that are going to happen when Black Monday hits, that Indianapolis job is hinges so much on what's the future for Andrew Luck. So what's the story with the future there in Indianapolis? What, what is that job going to be when it inevitably opens up? What, what's the story there? You know, I think if you had asked this question a year ago, I'd say just it's a great job. You know, Luck is mm-hmm. coming back. He'll be all right. You know. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has a food. very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. You've got you've got a generational type of talent, a quarterback, and if you have that in the NFL, and you're a coach worth your salt, you're a good team. I wouldn't touch that job right now with a ten foot pole. He he's hurt. He's still hurt. He's over in Europe right now getting treatment. Mm-hmm. Nobody's seen the guy throw a ball with any kind of any kind of zip in over a year. Uh, now there's these reports out. Uh, Chris Mortensen reporting that they they might have to have him go undergo another surgery to fix his biceps would be a three to six months recovery period. Look, for anybody who's out there who listens, who's you know maybe of a, of a different uh, generation than Josh and I, um, there was a quarterback who used to play for the Colts named Burt Jones, uh, and he was incredible. Uh, he was an MVP in 1976, had a huge arm, uh, led the Colts out of, out of what was a couple of down years after John United and, and led them back into the playoffs. And his career was just derailed by shoulder injuries. And Bill Belichick said he, was, he believed that he would have been the greatest quarterback of all time if he'd stayed healthy. Um, I really hope that Andrew Luck is not of another Burt Jones with the same franchise, where we look back and say, geez, you know, if they could have just protected him, if they could have given him some help. But right now, not only would I not touch it because of that situation, I wouldn't touch it because Ursay, it's not a stable situation there. Jim Mercy is not not an owner you want to work for, play mm-hmm. for. I, it's not a it's not a sexy city. With all due respect to Indianapolis, look, it's not New York or LA or Chicago or something like that. I wouldn't want uh, to go there right now, especially with what I assume is going to be quite a few job openings. Yeah, and that takes us to you know a job opening that's not really open, but one that kind of is. So over the weekend, it was reported that Marvin Lewis is out in in Cincinnati, and whether that's on his own will or not, we'll, we'll find out. He refutes the report after the, the Bengals get whacked by the Vikings. And then you've got Hugh Jackson, who we were told is going to stay in, in Cleveland, despite the fact that John Dorsey has come in, and usually GMs like to hire their own head coaches. Now we have this weird love triangle where all of a sudden Hugh Jackson, who is 1-29, in 29, he is all of a sudden the new John Gruden where everybody wants to trade for him. 
It's like, so what's the story with this? The, the, the Bengals, they want Hugh Jackson back. He was the offensive coordinator. He was a running backs coach, I think, there as well. Kind of worked his way up after the Raiders job. They want him back. The, the Browns apparently want to keep him. Doesn't this seem like a win-win for everybody except the Bengals? If the Browns are able to get rid of Hugh Jackson, get draft picks for him or money, whatever, they can hire their own guy. The Bengals find a head coach to replace Marvin Lewis with. I mean, this seems like a win-win, but what's the story here? Because this just seems like the ugliest situation that you could ever hope for if you were a fan of the Bengals. The story is that Ohio is stranger than fiction currently. <laughs> uh, look, if the Bengals trade for Hugh Jackson, first of all, John Dorsey should be knighted as general manager of the year, <laughs> or the executive of the year immediately. Secondly, the Bengals are dopes if they trade for Hugh Jackson. Okay, this is a team that should have fired Marvin Lewis years ago and could have hired... Hugh Jackson, could have hired Mike Zimmer, could have hired Jay Gruden, didn't hire any of those guys, let them all walk to go get head coaching jobs elsewhere. And, and yet, of the three guys, Hugh Jackson is far and away the most unsuccessful of the three. And you could argue he's in the worst situation. Fine, he is. But, you know, Jay Gruden with the Redskins, I mean, Dan Snyder's not exactly like a great situation to walk into, all right? And, and Jay Gruden's done a good job there mm-hmm. with, it, with it really a pretty average roster. So... Spare me with all this. Well, you know, Hugh Jackson's had a really rough, you know, roster to work with. He's one in twenty-nine. He sucks. I don't care what his roster is. Win a game. Okay, Jim Tom Sula's roster sucked with the 49ers and he still won five games in one year. There have been other coaches on the Browns. Mike Pettin's roster sucked. He won more games. Same thing for Rob Chizinski and 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 Shermer and everybody else who's come through there, okay? Hugh Jackson, everybody seems to think he's his guru that, you know, he's, oh, well, it's not his fault. It is kind of his fault. They stink. I mean, at some point, doesn't his 1-29 record kind of matter? So I, I don't get it. it. I think the Bengals are crazy. I also think the Bengals are cheap. Yeah. And I think they're going to end up probably promoting one of their coordinators. Um, and they just better hope they're right. They better hope they get lucky because, frankly, that franchise, I think that franchise has got to push the reset button anyway. It's an old roster in a lot of spots. And I, I would I would cut Dalton. Thirteen point yeah. nine million. He's thirty years old. That's what you would save, by the way, if they cut him. Uh, I think they're nuts not to cut him. He he's been abysmal the last two years. And frankly, uh, you're gonna have a high pick. Go use it on a quarterback. What what must Mike Zimmer and like Dirk Cutter and some of these other coaches think who are, you know, Mike Malarkey, guys who are on the hot seat and they're looking at Hugh Jackson, who is being revered as some kind of like quarterback whisperer guru who is untouchable and teams want to trade for him. Meanwhile, Zimmer is in Minnesota, who he's turned that team around phenomenally. Well, he's not on the hot seat, though. No, but nobody gives him credit. That's oh, the thing. I, nobody I, I gives I him you. credit okay. for saying, you know, oh, this Mike, sure. look what Mike Zimmer's done, blah, blah, blah. And he coached with Hugh Jackson. And then you've got guys who are on the hot seat, like Dirk Cutter, Mike Malarkey. And they're sitting there, they're like, you know, I, I, I want Dirk Cutter gone as a Buccaneers fan. I want them to move on from him. But the man has won more than one game this year. He won 9-7 as a, as a rookie head coach. Yeah, so I mean, look, the idea that I, I've been sympathetic to Hugh Jackson because I want to believe that he's going to be a good head coach. But every single time somebody's been like, why do you think that? I just have to sit there and be like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Look, I, I was willing to give him a pass last year. There's a terrible... But like you know, you always hear every year they're kind of, and I think we used this analogy last 
last week, so we'll move off this. But they're kind of like the Philadelphia 76ers of the NBA or the yeah. NFL, right? Like, yeah. like for years and years and years, the Sixers would just amass a ridiculous amount of draft picks. It was like, well, it's all about the process. This year, they're going to draft this guy, this guy, and this guy. And then the next thing, you know, all Julio Okafor is in the Nets now. And they, they, you know, they're they're moving half these guys they drafted. I mean, my God, look at if, if you're an NBA fan, look at all the picks the 76ers have had over the last decade. How many of them have worked out? And with the Browns, it's the same thing. I get yelled at all the time by Browns fans on Twitter. Well, you know, we drafted some decent players last year. Your team blows. You don't draft enough of them. They stink. This notion that like, well, you know. To be fair, we, we drafted Miles Garrett. Yeah, well, of course you drafted Miles Garrett. He was the only player that anybody considered as a number one pick. And there were reports that you guys were screaming internally to draft Trubisky. Yeah. I, I mean, then you go out and you, you pass on him. You pass on Mahomes. You pass on Deshaun Watson. You draft Kaiser in the second round. Kaiser's been abysmal. He has 19 interceptions on the year. And you look at their receivers... Corey Coleman, his first-round pick. Where's, Corey Coleman is fifth on this team in receiving behind something named Seth DeValve. Good night. And a running back. Duke uh, Johnson leads he's the, leading the team. Yeah. I, it's, listen, you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll just say, I, I think it's, it's fair to say, uh, if I'm Hugh Jackson and the Bengals want me, I'm all for it. Yeah. Because they could go into a full-scale rebuild, and you're still way ahead of the game. Yeah, well, that'll, we'll stick with the head coaches here. And I've kind of separated these coaches on the hot seat into tiers here. Into We know that they're gone, gonzo. We're on the bubble. And some maybe surprise firings, that would be a little bit of a shock if they happen. But as far as it's coaches that are gonzo, I mean, Ben McAdoo, he's already gone. So take him out of that column. Then you've got John Fox in Chicago, Chuck Pagano in Indianapolis, and then Marvin Lewis, who is either leaving, going to get fired, whatever. All, all out of all out of the job. All out. On the bubble, we got Mike Malarkey in Tennessee, Todd Bowles in uh, New York, and then Dirk Cutter in Tampa Bay. There you go. And then some surprise firings, and I want you to know. let me know if these are surprises or if they're on the bubble or if you think they're actually gone. Jay Gruden in Washington, just because we never know what's going to happen there. Uh, Bill O'Brien in Houston. I've been beating that drum for a while. Bruce Arians in Arizona. And then Jim Caldwell in Detroit. Yeah. Look, I, I don't think... Arians, I don't think will get fired. I think he might just retire. Mm-hmm. You know, he's had some health issues over the years. That team is very old in a lot of spots. I think uh, I think he might not be willing to be along for the ride of what might be a couple years worth of rebuilding. As far as Caldwell goes, they're eight and six. You know, they they they've at least got themselves back in playoff contention. I was on the I was on the train that he was going to get canned. Now I think. Eh, they got the Bengals and Packers the last two weeks. They might win 10 games. I, it would surprise me if they fired him. I think they give him another year. They did make the playoffs last year. Um, and, and then, look, beyond that, Jay Gruden, that wouldn't surprise me just because of the ownership. I, I, I don't think he should be fired. But Dan Snyder's just so unpredictable. No. You never know what you're getting. Uh, and, and by the way, on that list, and I think rightfully so, you didn't have Vance Jones for the Broncos. I don't think he's going to get fired. They've, they've won a couple games. It seems like they're going to give him another year, which frankly, yeah. I, gotta be, I think it's a mistake. But uh, And then Bill O'Brien, we've talked about this in nauseam, really since the middle of the season. Yeah. I, we both agree he should be gone. I don't think they're going to fire him. I think they should. I think it's going to be a mistake. But I think he stays put. But I, look, the, the NFL, there's a good chance eight to ten jobs open up. And the question is, who's going to replace these yeah. guys? Because I, 
you look at the the list of candidates this year. It's not it's not a great list. You know, last year you had McVeigh and Shanahan; those were big names. Uh, not not the case this year. Yeah, and I think if you know somebody like Bill O'Brien or Jay Gruden gets fired, all of a sudden you're throwing a log into the fire that they're going to get a head coaching job somewhere. Um, you know, as bad as O'Brien is in Houston, as much as I think he should be out, I think you know if Indianapolis comes calling. He'll probably take the job there because he wants to be a head coach. I mean, maybe he'll go back to college. Maybe, the, you know, he had a good thing going for him at Penn State, and then he left for the NFL, and now he's here. So, you know, I think, you know, in Chicago, as far as who might take these jobs, I wouldn't be surprised. I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, Josh McDaniels is going to be the hot guy on, on the list, and I honestly, not trying to sound like a homer or anything like this, but I think the Jason Light situation in Tampa Bay if he remains the GM I don't know that connection with New England maybe he tries to make a play there but I just think McDaniels is going to want to go to a place where he can be the guy pick his own guy and then run things which might take New York out of the running because they want to hire a GM before they hire the coach and so I think that that maybe takes him but as far as Chicago they already have Trubisky I don't know if McDaniels is a big Trubisky fan I wouldn't be shocked if they went out and hired somebody like Jim Schwartz who knows the NFC North He's had success with turning a team around before. He did it with Detroit. Maybe he can do it again with Chicago. He's familiar with the teams in the division. It, it seems like the kind of unsexy hire where, you know, Bears fans are finally happy that John Fox is gone, and then they come down and they're like, yep, we're going to introduce Jim Schwartz as the next head coach. And Bears fans are going to kind of cock an eyebrow and be like, really? But it's like, what do you want? Do you want Jim Schwartz, who does have a track history of turning bad teams around, where he took Detroit to the playoffs a couple of years after they hadn't been there since, you know, the early 90s um, or the mid-90s, maybe he can do it again with Chicago. I don't know. I agree with you. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Just the pool of potential hires is not good. And it's not like there's a slam-dunk college coach, you know, like a Chip Kelly or somebody who's going to come out. David Shaw's name gets thrown out a lot, but he's not going to leave Stanford. There's just no – Jim Harbaugh's not leaving Michigan, so please, God, stop that right now. There's just no slam dunk head coaches outside of Josh McDaniels. And I just think that, I just mentioned it to you yesterday, that's one of the reasons why I think maybe the Bucks and teams like that who aren't really in a position where they need to fire their head coach will give them another year. So that's why O'Brien might get another year, or Cutter might get another year, you know, Malarkey might get another year. So, Well, I think, yeah, it's going to be an interesting head coaching carousel. That'll all start New Year's Day. Uh, but luckily, we have we have more games oh, to, yeah. to watch, and so um, you know, this coming week we're gonna we're gonna touch very briefly on the games, and I, I frankly do mean very briefly. So we don't hold it against you if you're a Bears fan; you don't want to listen to us go over the playoff stuff. But we're gonna go over the playoff uh, pictures, and that's gonna be our focus this week. We're gonna spend some time on those games. The games I'm gonna quickly starting right now go over the games that don't involve in any way, shape, or form a team that is, is gonna be in the playoff picture. So we'll just, we'll just tell you the line, pick the game, and then that's it. We'll move on. And that, actually, I mentioned the Bears as an example. We'll start there. <laughs> uh, 1 o'clock on Christmas Eve. There are no Thursday games this week. There are no Sunday night games. Um, so there are two Saturday games, and both of those have some implications. Sunday, the Browns are at the Bears. The Bears are favored by 6.5. The Browns, of course, winless. Uh, their last game is at Pittsburgh. So this is really their last shot to win a game. But give me give me the Bears. I don't think they'll lose at all. I'm going to take the Browns just because I, I don't think they're going to go 0-16. God, you're just, you're just a punishment. <laughs> all right. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah, my God. They did win last year in this spot, uh, Week 16. That it's was John the, Fox. They John, this, is, this is a perfect way to end the John that Fox legacy. That is true. Legacy. John Fox. There's one, although I'm still taking the Bears. Okay. 
One o'clock. Uh, Denver at Washington. Both teams out of the race. Washington trying to get their seventh one of the year. Denver trying to get their sixth. Looks like they're going to go with Paxton Lynch as long as he's healthy enough. Washington favored by three and a half. I think that line's way too low. Give me the Redskins going away. Denver's resting. So many guys, or not, I should say resting, but so many guys now are being put on IR because mm-hmm. they're out of it. So I think the Redskins win. I'm taking the Redskins in this one too. Okay. Uh, then let's see. What would be the next? Okay. 425, the Giants at the Cardinals. Cardinals favored by four and a half in the desert. Give me Arizona all day, every day. Arizona. Uh, and then, look, technically this game, these, these teams are alive. Seattle at Dallas. Dallas four-and-a-half-point favorite. I think Dallas is going to win. I think Seattle's fully imploded at this point. Uh, a lot of infighting. Uh, I think Dallas will do its best to stay alive here. They're going to need some help. They're going to need a lot of help. Same thing with the Seahawks. That's why I include them in this uh, little round of games. But I'll take Dallas. I'm going to take Dallas in this one, too. And my big takeaway from this is that Take a look at this game four weeks ago. This is a marquee game. Now nobody cares. No, no. But I'm taking Dallas. It's irrelevant. So, every other game. Progressive Snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive. So the safer you drive, the more money you could save. Now, if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving, let me say it again. You need to calm down. Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents. Uh, has, has at least some kind of playoff implications. We'll spend, some, we'll spend more time on some than others. Um, and we'll talk about the different scenarios that some of these teams might need to get in the playoffs. So that being said, first game of the weekend is actually on the weekend. It's Saturday. 4.30 Eastern, Indianapolis at Baltimore. Of course, Indianapolis well out of the playoff picture, 3-11. and 11. Baltimore, 8-6, and six, and in control of their own destiny. And here, I just want to break this down really quickly. Right now in the AFC, there are four wildcard teams that are realistically involved. Okay, Baltimore, Tennessee, Buffalo, Los Angeles. Los Angeles is 7-7. Seven and seven. The other three teams are 8-6. and six. If they all finish with a winning record, or excuse me, if they all finish with the same record, if they all, whether it be ten and six, of course the Chargers can't get to that, or or they all get to nine and seven, uh, the teams that will move on are Baltimore and Buffalo in that order. Uh, it would be, and I know some people are probably wondering why the Chargers wouldn't beat out the Bills; they beat them head to head. When you have that kind of a uh, of a group tie break, the head to head stuff goes out the window. It comes down to conference games and common opponents, and the Bills went out there, so. In that scenario, Baltimore is the five. Baltimore is not in the playoff picture right now, but they control their own destiny. If they win out, they're in, no matter what else happens. So, Baltimore favored by 13 and a half. I actually think it's too many points. I don't think they're, they're going to win by 13 and a half or 13, as it may be. Uh, but I, I think Baltimore wins the game because the Colts at this point, what do they care? Yeah, I'm taking Baltimore to win this one. And... If they get into the playoffs, like we said at the top of the show, I don't think that they're that much of a threat. But I do think that the path is so easy for them to get in that it's going to take a phenomenal screw-up for them to not make it. Yeah, they, they host the Bengals last, uh, last game of the year. And I, you know, if, if yesterday was an indication, the Bengals are not planning on playing hard for Marvin Lewis no. on the way out the door. Um, so real quick before we go on to the next game, the Ravens, if they get in, you kind of touched on it. Are the Ravens a threat to beat Jacksonville or Kansas City in the wild card round? No, not unless something catastrophically goes right. I mean, if if they had a healthy defense, then maybe I would say the Blake Bortles matchup 
favors them a little bit. But I think that if you put Jacksonville's defense up against Joe Flacco, or you put the Chiefs' defense the way that we saw them play on on Saturday up against Joe Flacco, it's it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I think I think both teams would would handle business. Uh, Baltimore, and I'll leave it on this note. They they have a good defense. I love Terrell Suggs. I mean, my God, eleven mm-hmm. and a half sacks at this point in his career. It's unbelievable. But without Jimmy Smith, they're they're missing a huge yep. piece. Offensively, they're they're just a pop gun offense. They can't score. Alex Collins is really the only thing they've got going for them. Um, now, the one thing I will say is they've played. They've won eight games. The best quarterback they've beaten is Matt Stafford. The other seven wins have been against teams quarterbacked by Deshaun Kaiser twice, <laughs> Andy Dalton, Brett Hundley. Uh, let me just get this. EJ Manuel, Matt Moore, and Tom Savage. That that's what uh, that's what you're looking at right now. So I, I think they're going to be in for a pretty significant step up in class come January. But I think they're going to get there. So last Saturday game, it's an 8:30 game. Minnesota at Green Bay. That game would have been awesome if Green Bay had been able to win on Sunday. Couldn't do it. Minnesota clinched the NFC North. Now it's about just trying to stay in the, one of the top two seeds. Uh, they're in good position. So Minnesota, there's no line for this game because I don't really know. I don't know if we know if Rodgers is going to play. I'm taking the Vikings regardless. I think yeah. they're the better team. They're playing really good football. Uh, I think they're going to get to that two seed. And, and so give me Minnesota in this game. Like I said, no line yet, but I think I think they move on. And the Packers in that game, if Atlanta loses on Monday night this week, officially eliminated. Yeah, I'm taking Minnesota to win this game too. And I think that the Packers, just they really hurt themselves by putting all of their eggs back into the Aaron Rodgers basket right away. Now, they weren't a good team with Brett Hundley, but they were playing better in other aspects of their game because they needed to compensate for the fact that Brett Hundley was the quarterback. And then all of a sudden, so they're playing a different style of football, and they're actually doing not too bad. All of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers comes back in, and they lay an egg because it's like, oh, we're going to go back to what we were doing. So I think Aaron Rodgers coming back actually hurt them a little bit. But, you know, Packers fans will say differently. Regardless, the Vikings are winning this game. And they're, I think that these last two games are going to be tune-ups. We really need to be tune-ups, I guess, because they're going to skip that first week of the playoffs. And I just don't want this to be a situation like it was with Dallas last year where they get the first round by. Everybody's all hype about them. And all of a sudden, they lay an egg in the first game that they play. So it's going to be interesting because there's going to be a lot of those narratives going with Minnesota. Case Keenum, can he win a playoff game? What's the defense going to look like? Mike Zimmer, all this kind of stuff. So Minnesota, they're going to win this game, but I'm in this for the long play. This game is pretty much irrelevant to the grand scheme of what the Vikings are trying to do. Yeah, they got to you know, just try to get to that, that two seed, maybe mm-hmm. even a top seed Philadelphia slips up. Yeah. But yes, I agree. Well, I think the Packers had to play Rodgers. The problem was he was rusty. He threw two yeah. picks. And defensively, they're terrible. At some point here, Ted Thompson's got to got to figure out what's going on as a GM there. By the way, that is one potential surprise firing. McCarthy? McCarthy. I don't think it'll happen. I don't. But it wouldn't be beyond the pale that they were to say, hey, you yeah. know what, we're going to go in a different direction. The problem is, again, we talked about this, who are they getting that's better? So, uh, now, moving to the Sunday games, Atlanta at New Orleans, uh, look, with all due respect to your box, Let's say Atlanta wins their game. They're going to win this week. Okay, they'd be nine <laughs> and five. New Orleans is ten and four. Now, if Atlanta wins, they move ahead of the Saints because they they would have won both matchups. Of course, they won a week ago on uh, on Thursday night yep. at home. Matt Ryan threw three picks. They still were able to win the game. The line for this game a little big. It's five and a half in favor of the Saints. I think Vegas expects them to bounce back. I like the Saints to win, but this is a game that's very interesting and. 
Now, bear in mind, okay, if if both the Falcons win and the Panthers win, uh, I'm just going to quickly plug in the numbers here and see because at this point it's so crazy. I feel like I, I need a mathematics master's <laughs> degree to figure all this out. Okay, if if Atlanta beats New Orleans, Atlanta jumps the Saints. Carolina jumps the Saints as well, though, because the Panthers would be eleven and four. Yeah, so they would be the third seed, uh, and but but only if the Rams <laughs> lose. Okay, so basically, let's just Carolina would be winning the NFC South. Yeah. Okay, I'm not trying to confuse anybody. I don't want to make anybody drive off the road because their head hurts. Carolina, if they win and the Falcons win, Carolina is ahead of the Saints, and Atlanta would be the fifth seed. New Orleans would be the sixth seed. Okay, so that that's what you need to know. But I think the Saints will win, and we will avoid all the chaos. I God, now I hope the Saints do win. <laughs> Never been rooting so hard for the Saints in my life. Um, I do think the Saints are going to win for two reasons. One, because Matt Ryan looked like a atrocious dumpster fire on Thursday night, and they somehow still won. Um, and that was because reason number two, Alvin Kamara goes out in the first series of the game. All of a sudden, New Orleans offense looks completely different. And that is going to be, I think, the difference here. Atlanta didn't have to face the running back duo that everybody else that New Orleans has beaten this year has had to try to figure out. You can watch film on it, whatever. And there's actually Kamara going out that first time hurts uh, Atlanta this time around because they have no way of preparing for that. They may be in a position now where if they'd seen Kamara, they can go back in. It's been really fresh in their minds. They can game plan for it. They can shut them down. That's not going to happen. And I think that the Saints... They're going, to, they're going to be able to get it done, and I've been saying it all year long, and I think it's true for them more so than any team in the NFL. Sean Payton is in the zone when it comes to adjusting week to week, figuring out what's wrong with the team, and correcting. They haven't lost two games in a row since, I mean, it's been a while, I think. So I think since, since the first, since games the first two games of the season, yeah. So, so. yeah, I, the Saints, they're going to win this one, and both for the reasons I stated and just because the football gods can't be that cruel to make us, you know. Go back to the drawing board with yeah, all my, of the scenarios. Yeah, I, I'll try to really simplify it real quick. No matter what happens this weekend, Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans are all all three right now are in the playoff picture. None of them can drop out. Yeah. No matter what happens, so those teams will all be in the top six seeds going into the final week. If the Saints beat the Falcons and Carolina loses against your Buccaneers, mm-hmm. the Saints win the division. The division's over. If the Falcons win and Carolina wins, then Carolina moves ahead. So that hopefully that's that simplifies things enough. I know it's crazy. Believe me, I've had the NFL playoff machine on ESPN open for three solid days trying to figure everything out. Okay, another 1 o'clock game. Buffalo at New England. New England's favored by 12.5 points. Uh, of course, coming off that wild win over Pittsburgh uh, that, that still feels like it just ended because I'm trying to comprehend it. Um, the Bills, 8-6. and six, They beat up on Miami at home. Uh, they they finished the year at Miami, so they'll see the Dolphins two times in three weeks. The Jets are going to Foxborough week 17. So New England at this point would be shocking if they don't have the number one seed. Uh, I think New England wins this game. I think they win pretty big. Uh, and, and the Bills uh, will need some help come week 17 uh, if my prediction is correct. I'm taking New England on this one. It's it, Buffalo might give, them some, might give them some trouble, but I don't think that it's going to be anything that New England can't handle. And we're into the point of the season now where – New England's hardest game is behind them. They, they beat Pittsburgh. That's the game they needed to win. If for some reason they fall from one to three in the playoff standings because they lose to either the Jets or the Bills, they deserve that. So That's fair. Um, 
And by the way, as an aside, if, if all the teams that are favored this week win, which of course doesn't happen, um, Baltimore and Tennessee in that order would be the teams that are the fifth and six seeds in the AFC. Um, and so I, I, I bring that up because another one o'clock game, the Rams at the Titans, the Rams favored by six and a half. The Rams win, they win the NFC West. Uh, they, they, would, they would clinch that division for the first time well over a decade. Um, and, and put Seattle officially out of its misery. So that would be interesting. Going into the week, the Rams are the third seed right now in the conference. If, if things hold, they would play Atlanta. So that would be a very good game in Wild Card Weekend. Um, the Titans are, again, they're the fifth seed right now. But they probably have the hardest schedule of any team left in the AFC playoff picture. So uh, the Rams are by six and a half. It's in Tennessee. I think the Titans stink. Yep. I've said that all year long. I don't buy them. I love what the Rams are doing. Give me the Rams. And frankly, I'll swallow the points. I think the Rams are going to kill Tennessee. Yeah, the way what the Rams did to Seattle on Sunday was, you always say when we, we run into a bad game that should have been put behind a paywall. That game should have been pay-per-view. You know, put that in the back of the store behind. Don't you let know. the kids watch. No, that, put yeah. that behind the curtain. Yeah, that's, that's in the back of the store behind the curtain. That's, that was ugly. And it also was, and you said it when we were watching the game, kind of a changing of the guard in the NFC where we have Seattle, who I believe back in 2010 – it might have been a game against the Rams where they that was when they started to turn things around and start to really develop the Legion of Boom. Everybody talks about the Richard Sherman, uh, how you like that game with the, with the Patriots. It was back in 2010, that first year with Pete Carroll, where they really started putting things together. Well, you know, Earl Thomas is a rookie. Cam Chancellor's a rookie. You look at this Rams team and the way that things are coming together with a young head coach, Sean McVay, Jared Goff is playing really, really good. Todd Gurley is a dark horse MVP candidate, and he's the best player in that division. So anybody saying that Russell Wilson's an MVP, Todd Gurley's the best player in the division. Um, that team is really, really coming into its own. And this is after a couple of weeks where, you know, they lost to the Eagles and they have a tough game against the Saints, which they end up winning. And everybody's kind of like, oh, I think maybe this is this where they kind of fall back a little bit and they stop being Super Bowl contenders. I've never seen a team show their teeth the way that the Rams did on Sunday against the, the Seahawks, eviscerating a, a divisional opponent and putting the rest of the conference on notice. You know, you, you're looking at Minnesota, who lost to, to Carolina the other week. You take a look at uh, Philadelphia, who doesn't have their MVP quarterback. All of a sudden, those matchups, you said it at the top of the show, it's a kind of one tier. Those matchups aren't intimidating if you're the Rams. And I think that that win against the Seahawks went a long way in really reestablishing them as a serious Super Bowl contender. And if, if anything that I said is true just now, Marcus Mariota, Malarkey, and the Tennessee Titans are not going to stand in the way of that. I agree with you. I think that they're, they're just not good, and I think this is going to be another game where the Rams really assert some dominance and scare some teams in the NFC. Yeah, look, it's going to be – I think it's going to be a blowout. I, I, I think Tennessee, honestly, they're only in the playoff picture because they've played a soft schedule, and mm-hmm. they've gotten lucky in some of these – they've been awful. Uh, all right, so a game I might have – you could argue I should have included the first time around here. We went through the games that are inconsequential. Detroit at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is inconsequential. They're officially eliminated. Detroit's 8-6, and six, the four-and-a-half-point favorites in the game. Uh, I know this is the last home game for Marvin Lewis, but, just, I mean, let's not make it out like he's Chuck Noll. Okay? Uh, I think Detroit's going to win the game. Now, Detroit – Detroit needs to win out to get to 10-6, and six, and they need Atlanta – to lose two of its last three. Atlanta's schedule, uh, let me just get this right there, at Tampa Bay in week 15, and then Atlanta 
is at New Orleans week 16 and home to Carolina week 17. So it's not going to be easy. Like Detroit no. actually has a legitimate shot. Uh, Detroit's schedule uh, at the Bengals and then playing the Packers. Uh, I believe that game is in, in Detroit. It's in Detroit, yeah. yes. So I think Detroit wins this game. I think Detroit keeps hope alive for another week. I do too. And if again, we've said this about other teams. If they lose to the Bengals and this is how their playoff hopes end, it's it's, it's deserved, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Chargers hit the Jets. Chargers favored by a touchdown. Uh, now, you get into all kinds of different scenarios here with the Chargers. The Chargers yep. are going to need some help. Okay. I think it's the easiest way of putting it. They're at the Jets and they come home and they, they face the Raiders in LA uh, for the last game of the year. I think the Chargers are going to win. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. I don't see them losing to Bryce Petty. I think they're going to get to 9-7, and seven, frankly. I think they'll beat the Raiders as well. The question becomes, is that going to be enough? Uh, I'm not even going to start getting into all the different scenarios here. All, the best way I can put it is, actually here, I'll give you one that's very feasible. The Ravens, they win their last two games for the 5 seed. Okay? The Chargers win their last two games. The Chargers would then want Tennessee to lose both. Mm-hmm. Rams and Jags go to 8-8, eight and eight, okay? So the Chargers beat them out just straight up. And then they have to hope that the Bills lose to the Pats because then both those teams are tied 9-7. and seven. Chargers head to head. They went out. They're the six seed. There you go. That is your Chargers hope. And it's realistic, honestly. It could absolutely happen. Uh, but that's what the Chargers need to have happen. Starts, uh, this, the journey starts this week after what was a rough loss in Kansas City. Uh, but I'll take them to win this game. I am really holding out for this scenario because I mentioned it last week on the podcast. That'd be the best scenario for the AFC playoffs. It would be, and it would also be the best scenario for me personally because I was absolutely against the benching of Tyrod Taylor, and that game came right before they played the Chargers. And Nathan, <laughs> Nathan Peterman, they would lose the tiebreaker because oh, yeah. Sean McDermott started Nathan Peterman, and he went out and threw five interceptions in like six minutes of game time. So that would be so poetic, especially with how outraged people were with Tyrod, rightfully so, with Tyrod Taylor being benched for that game. Oh. If that's what keeps them out of the playoffs, Nathan Peterman, God, that, that, that is so perfect. That's like, that's up there with all other kinds of Bills lore. Like, that is hilarious to me. And I feel bad for Bills fans because they didn't right. make the call and they were upset that Tyrod Taylor got benched too. But my God, we are facing a scenario where Nathan Peterman is keeping the Bills out of the playoffs and putting Phillip Rivers in. And we've talked about this before. If the Chargers get in, with the pass rush that they have and the hot streak that Phillip Rivers is on right now, don't sleep on them either. You so, know but- what? They went into Jacksonville a few weeks ago, and it took a miracle for Jacksonville to win that game. Yeah. Jacksonville needed to run up. You know, they had a fake punt. They ran for a touchdown. Bortles was throwing picks left and right. They, but, you know, they were able to somehow overcome it. Uh, the Chargers, to me, of all the four teams that have a real shot at the Watco, they're the most dangerous. Oh, yeah. That being said, and it kind of leads into the next game here, Kansas City and Miami in Kansas City. Um Look, the Chargers had a shot to put down the Chiefs, win the division, and they were they went four straight. Kansas City had just gotten off the deck by beating the Raiders a week prior, but still certainly wobbly. And I got I, I don't know how else to say it. The Chiefs just put it on them in that game. The Chiefs basically lined up and just ran the ball down their throat all night. Hunt went over 150 yards. He had 200 all-purpose yards in the game. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Big 64-yard touchdown. The Chiefs harassed Rivers the entire game. Rivers has thrown 10 picks this year, six of them against Kansas City. 
you know, so the Chiefs now will move forward. They are a 10-point favorite at home against the Dolphins. Anyone who listens to this knows I've been on an emotional roller coaster from hell with this team all year <laughs> long. Uh, but I also know this with the Chiefs on the read. The Chiefs have had long streaks both ways. They've had a five-game losing streak. They've lost six of seven. They've also had an 11-game win streak. They've had a nine-game win streak. They had a seven out of eight uh, win streak back in 2014. <laughs> they won five to start this year. I think the Chiefs are getting hot. I, you know, look, they've, it be, not even because they've won the last two games, but they've been dominant in both games. Yeah. Um, I think they are going to tattoo Miami in this game. They know they need to win for the division. I don't think they want to leave it up to Week 17, although that is a trip to Denver. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to put it on the Dolphins pretty good come, come Christmas Eve. You should put me on a retainer for therapy sessions with the Kansas City Chiefs here. I should start yeah, charging for these. Um, it's true. No, I mean, it's, it, it is true. And I mean, Chiefs fans, from just watching them over the past couple of years with you, I'm surprised not more of them need therapy because this team is just, like you said, an emotional roller coaster. And here we are, two games before the playoffs. I mean, they've, the, the worst case scenario has been avoided here where they lose the division and everything like that. It hasn't been avoided yet. Well, got to win one more. <laughs> and I think that they're going to. I think I'm picking them to, you know, as you said, tattoo the, the Dolphins. Because, again, if Jay Cutler is what keeps you out of the playoffs, oh boy. But as far as the Chiefs in the playoffs, you know, we're talking about dangerous teams. If they play defense the way that they played on Saturday night, and they do actually, you know, what a concept, block for Kareem Hunt, all of a sudden you're dealing with the team that we were looking at the first five weeks of the season. And that team is still there. It's not like they traded somebody. It's not like, you know, somebody other than Eric Berry went out with a season-ending injury, and right. he wasn't even a part he of that. He wasn't there for the last four of them. No, he so. was only there for part of the Patriots game. So not a whole lot on this team has changed. In fact, they've added to it. You know, they had, you know, they got Reggie Raglan's now playing a lot better. Cam Irving is out there playing a wide receiver sometimes. And, I don't uh, ever want to talk about Cam Irving the rest of my life. <laughs> Cam Irving is a road cone. I can't even believe they put him on the uh, but, you know, Darryl, Darrell Rivas is here sure. now. Say what you right. will about whether or not, you know, maybe he comes okay. in his own. It's a good team. Maybe, and I think, yeah. maybe the best thing that ever happened to them, and it sounds ridiculous, was them suspending Marcus Peters. Because I think that move really jarred them. It focused them. I don't think it's a coincidence that the defense since that has been a lights out. And by the way, uh, we talked about this. We didn't, both of us, so we don't want to hear this nonsense. That, oh, they won against Oakland because, you know, they didn't have Peters. Peters on Saturday night. Yeah. You want to talk wow. about a showcase? <laughs> he was thrown at six times, gave up no catches, and had two picks and a forced fumble. He was unbelievable mm. in that game. So, look, as a Chief fan, and we'll leave it at this, the biggest difference right now with the Chiefs is they simplified their blocking schemes, and all of a sudden Kareem Hunt the last two games is going nuts again. Yeah. The other difference on defense the Chiefs are moving guys around. They're making it harder to block Houston and Jones one-on-one. And Jones has had a revival the last two weeks. He's been unblockable. Mm-hmm. He has two sacks. He's, he's pressured a ton. Houston's been terrific. Uh, he forced an interception, hit Rivers on the arm. He, he's had considerable pressure the last couple of weeks. And they stopped playing this godforsaken off-man coverage where they've been 12 yards off the line of scrimmage. And they've climbed up and they've played, they've played press. And yeah. it's, it's changed the entire way that they look, look, if the Chiefs of the first five weeks show up in the playoffs, they're as good as anybody in that conference. Yeah. And they showed it the first five weeks. I mean, they, they put it on New England. They beat up on Philadelphia. But they've got to be consistent. That's the question with the Chiefs. Can the Chiefs consistently play the way they've played the last two weeks? If they can, 
it's a very interesting conference. If they can't, then they'll go home quickly. So moving on, your Buccaneers uh, at Carolina. Carolina, a nine-point favorite in the game. That line will fluctuate depending on what happens Monday night. Uh, I hate to do it to you, Hill, but I'm, I'm taking the Panthers. Uh, they're playing for everything. And, and Winston just can't stop turning the ball over. So give me Carolina. I I, I don't say it because you're my friend. I, I say it because it's the truth. I think the Buccaneers have a good roster, but mm-hmm. it's just it's one of those years it just has not come together. And Winston has been a big part of that alongside uh, Dirk Cutter. It's like I feel like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas where it's, he thinks he's going to be a made man, and then they bring him in and they shoot him in the back of the head. That's kind of what it was like rooting for the Buccaneers this season. You're taking a look at the roster in the offseason. You're like, yeah, we got Mike Evans. We've got Sean Jackson. O.J. Howard fell those in the draft. Jameis Winston is great. Doug Martin's coming back, blah, 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 blah. Defense, whatever. And then just we just get whacked. And we don't even see it coming. And I think that, that it, it, that's what the season has been like. And it would be great if they can play spoiler here, which is really what you're, that's what you're playing for. And it would be wonderful to do it against the Panthers. I just don't think that they're capable of doing it. I don't think that Dirk Cutter, they're not playing for Dirk Cutter. There's going to be more questions about his job as the, as the season wears down here. And it's just, it's to the point where they don't, they, I don't think they respect Cutter enough to play for him. I know that's a cliche, but I, I'm, I think in my heart, I want the Bucks to win. But I'm just unabashedly being a homer with that. I think from a football standpoint, I don't see how the Panthers lose this game because, like you said, they're playing for everything. And they're one of these sleeper teams that they're getting hot at the right time. They beat the Vikings. They beat the Packers and knock them out. They can put together some good wins here. I think they're getting Charles Johnson back. So that's going to be big for them as they move forward. If they can get hot at the right time, which it looks like they're doing... Again, back to what you said about the NFC, it's a one-tier playoff field right now. And if, if Carolina gets in, they have as good a shot as anybody to make a run. So, Yeah, look, you know what? We've slept on Carolina, and, and I still I still have problems with Newton. Newton just has games where he's abysmal. But yeah. he was great against Green Bay. And mm-hmm. fair is fair. He played a great game. I love their defense. Um, you know, Carolina's dangerous. Carolina's a good football team. They're not going to be an easy out for anybody. No. Uh, and if they go to New Orleans in the first round of the playoffs, the third time, it's tough to beat a team three times. Um, so we'll keep that in mind. Um, by the way, actually, we have to just briefly talk about this because if it happened, then it's important. Um, the Panthers are up for sale at the end of the season. Jerry Richardson announcing he's going to sell the team. He was, he's been the owner of their entire existence, mm-hmm. uh, brought him into existence, actually, you know, in, in Charlotte. Uh, Sports Illustrated, our partner, wrote a detailed piece. Uh, really, you know, I won't get into the whole thing. You can go read it on sportsillustrated.com. In fact, I'd encourage you to. Uh, you know, basically talking about some alleged uh, misconduct in the workplace, sexual misconduct. Um, you know, to give just one example, every Friday in, in Panthers uh, headquarters was Denim Friday, uh, where the, the employees were asked to wear jeans and, and uh, allegedly Richardson would ask female employees to stand up and twirl, and, and he would you know, comment on their figures. So um, if that's true, uh, there's no place for it, obviously. And so Richardson, not fighting at 81 years old, he's going to sell the team. Uh, I don't think the investigation into this is going to stop. We'll see you know, who ends up buying the team, how long that process takes. But uh, really an, an ugly situation. And, uh, you know, one I just felt like you know, we, we quickly needed to, to touch on. Yeah, and, uh, you know, moral compass Jerry Jones came out with the most Jerry Jones take today saying it's sad, blah, blah, blah. And I think that not 
saying Jerry Jones is next or anything like that, but I'm, you know, we saw with Harvey Weinstein and entertainment and that was the domino that fell. And now it's every single day. You don't wake up and look at the news cycle without seeing another prominent male figure being accused of something like this. And we mentioned this before, but like the lack of sports figures being accused of this. Not that we're rooting for that because that's terrible, but sure. you know that, you know, if it's happening one place, it's probably happening another. I mean, you know, people are people, and unfortunately, listen, the best part about this, if there's any best part, because it's, it's terrible, but I guess you can use the best part. The, the, maybe the, the silver line that comes out of it is that this behavior stops yeah. because it's being punished. Because it has to stop. It's unacceptable Yes, the NFL, the NFL, and and really a lot of big fields in America are male-dominated fields. You know, entertainment to a lesser degree, certainly sports. It, it these anywhere you work has to feel like it's safe. It has to feel inclusive, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't feel that way, then it's then there's a problem. And that's not you know for anyone listening, look, that's not a political take. It's not a liberal take. If you know me, believe me, you wouldn't accuse me of being a liberal person. No okay? way. <laughs> no, no one's ever been like Verdurans a snowflake. No. But look. It, it can't happen. No. It's unacceptable. So I hope the NFL continues to investigate this because, it, you know, look, they've got to make sure that that organization runs well moving forward. It's got to, you got to go through the whole process. And they really should take this as an opportunity to go through all their organizations and, mm-hmm. be, ma- and be making sure that nothing's happening like that because it's unacceptable. It can't just be a good old boys club where women feel like well, they have to compartmentalize how they feel about these things and, and if they're abused verbally or, or otherwise. So, look, I think, it's, I think it's good that Richardson's selling the team. You can't have that. But I also think the NFL can't just say, well, he's selling the team case closed. It's not case closed. You've got to continue to look into it. Well, then another thing, to the, just to quickly wrap up on this, sure. is uh, teams up for sale. NFL teams don't come up for sale a whole lot, and there's reports out that P. Diddy wants to buy the team, and that's kind of, you, know, you laugh it off a little bit, but it does open up a conversation got where... money. Well, yeah, and it also opens up a conversation where there, I think there's like 92 professional sports teams in, Amer- in North America or in America. Only one of them is owned by a principal black owner, and that's the Charlotte Hornets with Michael Jordan. So... This is an opportunity, maybe. You know, you talk about you know, progression in social causes and everything like that, and the NFL and everything they've gone through with the anthem protests and the, the poverty, the, the, how they view black communities and stuff like that. All of that aside, having more black owners, that's not a bad thing. And giving opportunities, if we're talking about sexual harassment and giving women voices, opportunities, if we're talking about inclusion, here's a perfect opportunity for something like that to happen the world is better when people from all walks of life exactly have a voice and and there's no question i would love to see a minority owner in charlotte uh i, th- I think that'd be great mm-hmm. whether it be you know uh, uh sean diddy combs or anybody else by the way and i i never say a word about politics on the show. i never will um colin kaepernick expressed that he would want to be part owner <laughs> i gotta say sign me up <laughs> that would be i'd be in for that I really, really would be in for that. So, we'll leave it at that. Okay, 4 o'clock games, run through them. Jacksonville at San Francisco. Of course, San Francisco's done, but hey, got to give the Niners credit. They've won three in a row. Jimmy Garoppolo looking like a steal. A second-round <laughs> pick. Uh, you know, Maybe the Browns should have uh, anteed up and gotten him. But he, he's been terrific. They've won three straight after starting the year 1-10. I think, oh my God, Niner fever is going to be through the roof after this season. Everybody's going to be so excited for them, and rightfully so. Jacksonville can clinch the AFC South. Uh, with a win, the favorite of a four and a half in the world. I actually think this is a good game. I think the Niners have a shot to win yeah. the game. But I'm going to take Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville, look, that's a really good defense. And I think Jacksonville 
gets it done. It's not going to want to leave the division up to chance week 17. No, I'm taking Jacksonville to win this one too, as much as I hate to end this Jimmy Garoppolo winning streak. I mean, they're How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Undefeated with Jimmy G under center. So it's the dawning of a new age here in San Francisco. But the future is not now. It's, it's next season. But Jacksonville, they need to win this game. So, and it, this is another game. You know, I hate to make it sound like a cliche, but if you lose this game and you consider yourself a playoff team, Jimmy G has been great. The 49ers are playing much better than we thought that they were. They're actually playing up to where we thought they were when they were winless because they were playing pretty close games. Right. Jacksonville's got to win this game, and that's all it comes down to. This would be the first division title for the Jags since yeah, realignment in 2002. They, they've not won a division since 1999 in the old AFC Central when they went 14-2. and two. Um, So keep that in mind. Here's, by the way, just a little food for thought. If Jacksonville were to lose this game um, and Tennessee wins out, which I don't think it will, but they played here week 17. Tennessee would win the division. Oh, boy. Jacksonville would go to Arrowhead in the wild card. That would be a fist fight to end up. You'd have, you'd have Marcus Peters and Boye and Ramsey. That, that game would be nuts. Now, the reason I don't want to see that is I want to see Jacksonville and Kansas City in the, in the second round. Because I think those, that would set up two really good games in the yeah. divisional round. I do not want to see the winner of you know, Tennessee and Baltimore <laughs> in the second. Oh, my God. No. So, Okay. Uh, so now we'll move to Monday, Christmas Day. Um, Pittsburgh is at Houston. Houston, look, you know what? The Texans ought to do the right thing. It's Christmas. <laughs> just just give Pittsburgh the win and let everybody stay home. Pittsburgh is favored by 10. Pittsburgh is going to annihilate the Texans. Uh, I, I, I mean, that's, that's really all I've got. If Pittsburgh wins, they already have won the, the North. That's locked up. Uh, but they will continue to have their hold on the two seed. If they somehow lose and Jacksonville wins, Pittsburgh's the three seed, Jacksonville's the two, which would be incredible. But I, I can't, I just cannot imagine TJ Yates or Tom Savage, whoever starts winning that game. I don't think so either. Pittsburgh, they almost beat New England, like we said, without Antonio Brown. He's probably not going to be available anyways because he has some out for of, the rest of regular season out for the rest of regular season and uh antonio brown i'm not gonna call him antonio bryant this week um <laughs> <laughs> there's no way that they lose this game they almost beat new england and if there's anything they're angry after that game so i think that you know you said that the chiefs are going to tattoo the dolphins i think that time is about 10 is what we're going to see especially in front of a national audience on christmas you know cancel christmas if you're a houston fan yeah yeah, I, I mean, my God, that, I, I, feel, I feel bad for Texans fans. You know, that really, that team was on the right track there, and they were exciting and fun, and, my, and they just got ravaged by injuries. But last game of the weekend, because uh, there is a doubleheader on Christmas, Philadelphia mm-hmm. favored by 8.5 over the Raiders. It's in Philly, Christmas night. Uh, I'll just be succinct with it. Give me the Eagles. If they win the game, uh, they, they can clinch the number one seed. If they get some help from Green Bay on Saturday, I... I, I just can't picture the Raiders are so cooked. It's unbelievable. Uh, and by the way, there's one last thing that could be one more surprise fire. I do not think it's going to happen. The Raiders are notoriously yeah. cheap uh, with, with, with coaches and whatnot. Mark Davis, he's not poor. The guy is a multimillionaire. But I, you know, compared to other NFL teams, they don't have a lot of money. Um, I, I do not think they're going to fire Del Rio after giving him a four-year contract yeah. in February. But uh, they go six and ten. You know. 
it, it is, after all, it is a Davis. Like, you know, but I, I don't think they'll do that. I, that being said, I think Philadelphia wins this game, moves to 13-2, and the Raiders dropped to 6-9 and on the year in a year that a lot of people thought they'd be really, really good. We were not among them. Both of no. us thought they would stink this year. Uh, but I, there were some folks out there who thought they could, they could dethrone New England. Uh, not quite. Just a smidge off. But uh, you talked about feeling like you were Joe Pesci on Goodfellas. I think the Raiders right now feel like that Joe Pesci at the end of the casino. <laughs> yeah. So uh, give me Philadelphia to win this game. I, I think they handle business. You think Mark Davis fires somebody? He goes over to Al Davis's eternal flame and puts their contract in it? He just keeps feeding the ghost of Al Davis these hires. That, that, I, I just want to imagine that because for some reason that makes me smile. That seems like an Al Davis thing. Um, yeah, so the Raiders, they are a classic example of guy thinks he's going to get a job that he just interviewed for. He goes out and buys a Corvette because he thinks he's going to get the money, and then he doesn't get the job. They thought that they were going to be good last year. All of a sudden, Derek Carr's you know the second coming of Tom Brady. Jack Del Rio is the greatest coach in the history of football. They've got this fantastic team, and you know to quote the late Dennis Green, they are who we thought they were. They are not a good team. They don't have a good defense. It's Khalil Mack and ten road cones, nine if you consider you know Sean Smith to be a speed bump. So I I don't think that the Raiders are going to win this game. And I think that the only way that this can be entertaining is if they go old school and they ship out. You know, they have they split the old high school stadiums or college stadiums. Half of the fans are for the Eagles. Half the fans are for the Raiders. Because you got two fan bases. If there's two fan bases you don't want to get angry, it's Raiders fans and it's fans that throw snowballs at Santa Claus. So yeah. that, that's the matchup I want to see. That's true. That ends, like, that ends uh, Street Fighter style. You know, everybody rushing the field in the middle. You know, Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not kidding. Look, the Raiders are going to have a lot to answer to this offseason yeah. because Khalil Mack, Scott, and they have a rookie option on his deal, but he might get an extension this year, and that is going to be pricey. He's going to get a ton of money. Yeah. And, you know, look, let's, let's be real. The Raiders, uh, they're going to have to do some things to that roster. Marshawn Lynch, I doubt he's come back. Uh, you know, he has not been anything special. They're, they're going to probably cut both their starting corners in Amerson and Sean Smith. Uh, so, you know, I think Reggie Nelson's gone. So that's a totally revamped secondary. Maybe Gron Connolly and Obi Malafonu, their first two picks this year. Uh, play next year. They, they've been ravaged by injuries. So, look, the Raiders, you know, they're a team that all of a sudden you kind of look at them and you're like, they got a lot of issues. Yeah. They got a lot of issues. Defensively, they certainly do. Offensively, look, Donald Penn was not as good this year. He's older. Rodney Hudson, he's getting up there and he's always excellent again this year. Gabe Jackson got a big contract, didn't play well, had to deal with a lot of foot injuries. The Raiders have issues. And, and, and by the way, and we'll end here with this, what is going on with Amari Cooper? Yeah. I, I know he was hurt against the Chiefs, and he didn't play against Dallas with me. He's awful this season. Awful. So, that being said, that is our preview of Week 16. We're so thankful you joined us. Next week, we're going to do the podcast on Tuesday because I will be traveling home. Or excuse me. We will be doing the podcast Wednesday because I'll be traveling uh, from New York to Chicago uh, on Tuesday. And, of course, Monday is Christmas. And while we love all of you... Uh, I'm not jumping on this thing on Christmas. Okay? I'm going to be <laughs> stuffing my face with, with stocking, uh, stocking candy. So, um, for Josh Hill, I'm Matt Verderan. Thank you so much for listening to the Stack in the Box podcast. Uh, we, we can't appreciate you anymore. We oh, wish yeah. you all happy holidays. Uh, please, if you haven't already, subscribe and, and like us on iTunes. Uh, you can listen, catch us on Blog Talk Radio as well. Every week, always on a Monday, except for this week because the holiday is pushing us. But we will be back. And we can't wait to see what happens in the NFL. If your team's in the race, good luck. And if your team's not in the race, 
Only two more weeks, and then you can start <laughs> looking at the offseason stuff, free agency and the drafts, so on and so forth. It never stops. So thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next week. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We got to go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.